0: Welcome to the Better Human Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Stuckert, entrepreneur, CEO, father, coach, growth-minded, and obsessed with becoming better human. I'm here to help you level up your mind, body, and life. I want you to become a better human. I want you to wake up every day excited about getting to work, getting things done, working on yourself, and then making the world a better place around you. That's how we're going to change the future for humanity. That's how we're gonna solve the biggest problems we have in 2021 and on. That's how the world's gonna become a better place for my sons and hopefully future daughters. The more better humans we have that can critically think, that are self-aware, the better chance we have at creating a future that we all deserve. Make sure you get all the updates over at colin.coach to get on the Better Human Newsletter. You can also reach me anytime, colin, C-O-L-I-N at wildfoods.co. To support the show, head over to Wild Foods and use code WILDCEO for your nutrition needs. We have Local Roasted Austin Coffee. Our flagship product, Wild Cocotropic, is a great coffee booster or coffee replacement if you're trying to cycle coffee off, as I've been doing lately. Obsessively source real food products from nature to support your lifestyle needs. Let's get to the show. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Hey, what's up? My name is Allison Bingham. I am, uh, well, what route do I want to go? Your partner? Wild baby mom?
0: Well, what do you mean, what route do you want to go? I mean, you should, <laughs> you should, you what should ti- define what, who you are. What
1: title do I want to, what hat do well, I want to wear? I mean, wear? I don't
0: know. Whatever you think it is. Like, we're, you're, you're my committed partner. We're just not married. Yeah. Right? But we basically are.
1: Well, I mean, when you say partner, people pretty much assume.
0: Yeah, but I mean, people love saying wife and husband. Yeah. I mean, some people get married just to be able to say that, I feel like. Because it's easier. It's my wife. It's my husband or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like the idea of ownership. I used to actually really want to get married as a kid.
1: I don't think I ever really wanted to get married. That's what's kind of funny.
0: And now you do more than I do. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bizarre. I mean, I would do it if you wanted to, probably, if you really convinced me. You... But I don't like the government involvement. I don't like the legal legality of it. I don't like how there's industries built around uh, marriage. There's there's industries built around divorce. I mean, the court system itself makes billions of dollars off well, this Well, the legalities
1: in, in, in what regard do you not like?
0: Inviting the government into my house, my relationship. They should have no say in the matter. Why the fuck should some lawyer have any say in anything? Even if we did have a dispute. Plus, they have incentives. Lawyers have incentives to make as much money as possible for themselves first. So extending out how long it takes. They don't have any incentive to close it fast. And then they're trying to get their client as much money as possible. It creates this combative shit show, is what it is. And that's just the divorce part.
1: Well, that's true. But there's also when you have kids, in a sense, you invite the government into your your parental stuff. Well, for example, if you and I split up, And I wanted to go like the route of like going to the courts and doing whatever. But you would
0: you would then again be inviting them in when really we should handle it amongst ourselves as adults. Well, yeah, exactly. But still, the government's gonna fuck it up. My
1: CPS can come in. There, I mean, there's a lot of different like routes where the government can just kind of come in regardless of.
0: Of course, but you know what you want. But it's how much you allow in, and it's how much you protect yourself. You, I mean, people don't realize how much you can tell the government to fuck off, actually. And that's what you should do. Just like the guy in that video I saw recently. They were trying to go into a restaurant. I think it was in Canada. He basically yelled at them about recording. He said, Get out. Get out. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. Get out. Gestapo's not welcome here. Get out. Get out, you Nazis. And he kept doing that until finally they inched back, inched back, inched back, and they finally left. That's just an example. Most people don't even think to do that. You can do that. They're on private property. They don't have a search warrant. Yeah. They don't, they have no right to be in your place of business or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So it's like those are examples. But I mean, without getting too far off topic, we should actually just talk about this anniversary.
1: It is our anniversary. We can talk about six years.
0: How that went, and then we could also talk about um, I don't know, maybe a few things we've learned or a few uh, recommendations we have for each other. Not not pretending we have it all figured out, but
1: we don't have it figured out. But I think that's part of it. Which part? Not wearing this, I know what I'm doing. Hat, or I'm always going to be right. Hat, or the whatever hat. I think we both go into this knowing that. Well, I like how Elsa puts it about making deals. I don't than, remember
0: that. What, explain what? What did she say? Say that again. I don't.
1: There was something about uh, you'd gotten upset about something that I wanted, and rather than me coming to you and like striking a deal with you, which in my mind, I that's the deal I had. It was about the air conditioner when we lived in the the old house. Remember me leaving the doors open to like cool down the playroom? You, would, okay. you got really mad about it.
0: Well, I was. I didn't and, talk to her about that. I was talking to her about the washing machine. You want to buy this expensive washing machine. That's no,
1: it was about the air conditioner. Well, cool.
0: but then how did she offer advice? Because the only thing I talked to Elsa about that she talked to me about was the washing machine thing. Well, and I don't
1: remember you talking to her about the washing yeah, machine. I told,
0: you, I told you how I discussed it and I forgot. she's like She recommended something along the lines of like...
1: No, it was about the air conditioner. I don't remember what it was. And she, you said, if Allison had just come to me and said, look, it's really hot and I would like to leave the doors open to cool down the playroom until... X month until the end of July, or the end of whatever, mm-hmm. or always leave the doors open to keep it warm.
0: Well, and then you, I think, you're if you proposed a, an actual cost of what it would cost.
1: I don't even think it was that. I think if you had just if you had told her if she, if Alison had just said, "Look, it's really cold, and I want to keep it warm in there. I would like to keep the doors open until the end of February." Yeah, if you came
0: to me and asked first,
1: right? Strike rather than
0: a like striking doing it a and deal, fighting about it,
1: right? But striking a deal is what she said, rather than a compromise. Because typically in a compromise, each party, they feel like they got a little bit of a win, but they also feel like well, they got a compromise
0: just means two people don't get what they want.
1: There's a little bit even of a the loss. Or, I
0: think the origin of the word, if you look at the Latin root of the word, is something along those lines. Like, it's not, a, it's not a positive connotation.
1: Right. So each each person feels like they have a little bit of a loss, but not like a full. Yeah, that's not so, actually winning. Right. So striking a deal. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that's... Um,
0: so you're saying we are both good at that because
1: – I think we approach a lot of things well, that way without yeah. necessarily kind of knowing that's what we were doing for Well, a while. I think
0: we're also – we are growth-minded in the same way. This is something that her and I talked about on the podcast she was on. She talked about how you know having somebody that is fixed-minded and then having somebody that's growth, like you're going to have a lot of battles because you're just not going to see the world the same way.
1: Well, absolutely because, I mean, if you're the person who's growth-minded, you're essentially going to be talking to somebody who stonewalls you.
0: Well, All the time. And who, or who's stuck in the past Or who are stuck in negative thought patterns And it's going to be more and more frustrating Because the growth minded person is constantly learning They're constantly like becoming frustrated Like why can't you see this? This is so obvious I mean that's yeah. how I feel a lot of times when I'm talking to people But as I wrote today in the newsletter actually You can get over at colin.coach The Better Human Newsletter Is I get frustrated because I It's so easy for me to see what people should do And I want to just like help them and, and basically do this Like do this thing and you'll get what you want but people just don't receive information that way and they don't take actions that way. They have to, like, only when people are ready and really want to and actually then committed to even doing it. Like, you have to make the choice, then you have to figure out what that work is to get that thing you want, and then you have to do that work day in, day out until you get there. That's three very hard things for most people, which is why most people don't change. But I get frustrated because, like, it is very, very obvious in a lot of times, but people can't see it and they're definitely not going to do it until they're absolutely at that place. Like, they have to evolve in their own time. They have to come to that, you know, like coming to an epiphany. It's, I can't say, hey, Allison, you should have an epiphany because here's 10 things you should do. Or like, Here, here's how I see it. You should have an epiphany. Like, you literally come to your epiphany in whatever way you have to. Even if I gave you all the information you needed, you might not come to it for six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. So, the other, it also reminds me of another thing about a, a happy couple. I think Naval Ravikant was saying this. He was saying how, if you want a happy relationship, you need two happy people. And I just love the – I love when a simple – sentence it makes so much irrefutable sense but is also super deep like you need two happy people to have a happy relationship i mean otherwise you're always going to have somebody that's pulling somebody else along
1: mm-hmm. i mean it's the same thing with parenting i feel like Are you gonna elaborate i don't think that you can raise children who know how to be happy if you're not happy yourself because you're constantly going to be projecting that on them or making them like Hide their true feelings about stuff because you're disappointed. I don't know. I I,
0: I think I disagree with that. I think it's going to be really, really, really hard for them. But like my dad was always late. I'm never late. My dad was a chronic procrastinator. I'm not.
1: That's not a... uh... That's
0: like how you respond to maybe how a parent would be is completely up to the... The, the child and circumstance and other things.
1: You're saying it takes two happy people to have a happy relationship. To make
0: a happy relationship, right?
1: I'm saying it's the same thing with parenting. If you're not like a happy parent, it's going to be very hard for you to have like a happy relationship with your child.
0: Well, having a happy relationship with your child, but you said making basically Let's, developing that's not, a happy that's not, that's not child. What I,
1: meant. I meant the relationship.
0: Okay, so you mean that? Well, if we think about this, we could take this to every end. Yeah. How are you going to have happy friendships if you're not happy yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, right? You're never going to truly have end that. Up, you
1: end up getting in in like l- petty little things like the the person I was just telling you about a second ago that I haven't talked to in yeah, a while. Well,
0: yeah, and, but it's also like even if you don't manifest it that way by like nitpicking and causing drama, you're just going to always limit your ability to go deep to those places where you might find the flourishing of a relationship. Kids, partners, you know. Um, friendships, everything, so, like because you're limiting yourself, is what I mean. Like you can't yeah, get absolutely. there because you literally, literally can't get there.
1: Absolutely. Back to the growth mindset thing. When it comes, I a lot of people, I feel like, use their relationship as a means to be happy, which I think is also part yeah. of the problem. So that yeah, when that person everything It's just a right. the
0: high they're trying to get.
1: When that person starts to feel unhappy with life or stagnant or whatever, like my relationship that I was in with before you, that's actually how he was. He was like unhappy with other aspects of his life and it then ended up like triggering into our relationship. It was all external stuff. Do You see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So as far as the deep part of what Naval said, I think a lot of that has to do with you have to be aware enough to know why you're not happy and not be blaming it on like things in front of you. Like, well, I'm not happy because of my... Like, my partner doesn't make me happy because they don't do this or they don't do that. Like, I don't really feel like whenever you – because, you know, we, we – both of us have had highs and lows. I don't feel like you've ever blamed me for lows.
0: No, but I've manifested – I've projected stress onto you. You have. And it makes me nitpick more. But then it's not about the very th- – the actual thing. It just is the thing that triggers the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think – But
1: you've never placed your happiness on me, which is actually well, – yeah, I yeah, because actually...
0: very internally driven – I was thinking and, about
1: that a couple of months ago actually and like having a moment of gratitude because I've, I have had like multiple people in relationships before do that where like if they're not happy that specific thing is projected on me like yeah, now I have to show up more I have to do more in the relationship to like it becomes
0: codependency right is what it is right mm-hmm. that's what people do they project and they they lean on people and stuff uh, I don't do that and I don't take anybody doing it for me either like I, re- I'm, I revolt I revolted in school I revolted as a teenager i've revolted in my adult life everything i do in my life is revolting against external demands placed upon me from other sources but i mean the point about happiness and the things you're saying externally that isn't actually happiness though and so i think this is naval talks about this too he talks about how people don't really understand the word happiness yeah right like
1: well that's what i was gonna say if you just if you just like hear that you can take that a million different ways well if then you why don't, don't you define it if you don't why don't if why you, don't don't you really define what
0: happiness is for you if it's not external satisfaction like i got my bitcoin i got we can go on trips like we do these things in fact what you see is like that's why i'm hesitant to travel because i don't usually travel well i tend to think about home and it i mean it helps me be more grateful for the routines i do have like it does appreciate it helps me appreciate home traveling Um, does. traveling does Mm -hmm. but i always maybe in my mind feel like it should be more exciting than it is and that maybe lets me down so I, i don't have a healthy dynamic with it just yet and when i was younger and i was doing it more like the more you do it you know you get more accustomed to it And i'll work through that but i feel like a lot of people use things like travel Uh, obviously they use drugs and going out and all the different distractions they use it to basically distract themselves long enough so they don't have to answer the existential question of how to be happy and they just hop from one high to another
1: so i remember very few
0: people find the fulfillment in like their life like everyday experiences or whatever
1: i remember a couple years after tiffany had passed away talking to my friend leslie and I think I've told you this before. And she said, I don't even remember what we are talking about, but she was like, "I just decided one day, like, to be happy. I just decided." And I remember thinking, "Okay, um, you're full of shit. That's like, you can't just decide it is, to be happy. You have to
0: decide. It's literally the answer."
1: But that's exactly what it is. So I don't really know if I know how to define it. I feel like it's just one of those things where it's like, yes, there are things that, like, in the moment, make make me feel sad or make me angry or make me, you know, whatever. But the the, it's, it's just kind of a foundational thing where you just, you wake up and you just find joy in anything, but you it, can but find you, but joy. does that mean you're happy?
0: It's finding joy. Because I don't think finding joy, which is, it sounds like an external response to your environment. That's not actually long-term happiness. I don't feel like or fulfillment. And I also, when I say happiness, i, I more mean fulfillment and maybe purpose wrapped up in there, but also a lack of I'm trying, I'm trying to define it myself, and I, you sh- I think you should define it, right? This is good exercise. It's also a lack of sweating the small stuff and just realizing how much shit just actually doesn't matter when you rise above that. In fact, there's a good quote. The guy who wrote Direct Truth, he's got a very strange name, but very smart dude, basically had a quote, or maybe it was Osho or Anthony D'Amelio, I don't know. He said, when you, when you go through life with preferences, but you're not kind of defined by them or like the outcomes or whatever, then you're awake. So, like, you can have, he basically means, like, just like Stokes talked about this. Stokes believed that if you can make money and be wealthy, you should do that. Because it's just better. You should do that. But they practice things like induced poverty or, like, fake poverty where they pretend they had nothing. Negative visualization. They would do these practices to make sure that they didn't come become too enraptured with their wealth. And then that leads to all the negative things it does. So, my preference is to have all the money in the world and I can change the world and do the things I want to do. Right? But if I don't get that, it's not going to cause me existential pain or suffering right uh while also like i spend time enjoying the journey of, of doing the things and and building or whatever so i guess my definition of happiness is that is like having purpose mission uh ha- being to being needed sometimes i feel like being needed in, in different ways which is why i'm happy about partnering with elsa because it's giving me it's kind of giving me something that i like i'm, I'm committing to mm-hmm. like i need to do it i need like a, there's accountability there mm-hmm. and like i'm telling you i mean everyone thinks oh you know, easy problems, but it's like, no. You wake up every day and you have these things, and you, you, you don't have to really do anything. Uh, you, you're you so good at managing things that you can just get work done in no time. And so I have to literally create work for myself for doing these new things, and it does. It's not an easy thing to deal with. Like it, it's definitely stressful and anxiety-inducing. So I think my definition of is having, like, what is the right thing to be needed for, that. I could spend time on that. I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose and, and mastery. Right. And then spending a lot of time with people being able to not next, be in the moment and then not suffer from all the stupid shit that mo- like 99% of life is just meaningless to spend negative energy on. And yeah. then I think having deep fulfilling relationships and having times where you really, really have fun with people like, like, like we talked about, I used to do when I was younger that I don't do anymore. I think that would be my definition of happiness, but also security. So like having enough money so that your money problems just go away. Basically. That's yeah, huge. I feel
1: like a lot of what you just said is that that's like fi- you f- finding joy in things.
0: But how is that finding joy? Finding joy, I don't know. Joy itself sounds like it's, uh, I mean, because what is joy? What's the opposite of joy? It would be like suffering, I would say, right? So, you know, if you look at Taoism the duality, it's probably, defined by the probably, negative. So, probably
1: pain, but what's the opposite of happy? But so,
0: so So the question is, can you have joy without pain? Can you have I've... night without day?
1: No, but pain is also a catalyst to move you through from one joyful moment to another sometimes. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like suffering. You can still...
0: But to have joy in your life, you also have to suffer. Otherwise, you literally can't have joy. That's my point. It's defined by the other. This is what the Taoists talk about.
1: Sometimes you have to have pain though, in my opinion, to be able to like level up. To be able to go from like... It's, I don't think it's you need not... pain.
0: I think you need struggle. I think they're different. I think... Okay, yeah. I think suffering... Is more of the like self-imposed, you know, reality is not matching to what we want. We can't accept it. It's causing us there's, all there's these emotions. There's different ways to
1: define pain though. Like you can go work out and I can be like, God, oh, I had a really painful workout. Like my muscles are sore and the weights were really heavy and don't they don't were th- whatever. I don't, I don't like it doesn't. Though.
0: I don't think that's pain. Like that's like more the burn. Like you release endorphins it actually feels good. Or like if it's painful because you're massaging a muscle that's sore, well, don't it mean, makes me feel good. So I, I just mean, think the words.
1: I don't mean pain like suffering.
0: So that's the opposite of joy, right? So my point is joy is very much connected to the idea that I'm going to find happiness by doing things in my life, you know, highs, food highs, sex highs, travel highs, friends highs, all these different things. And we're going to do these things. We're humans, right? But they always wear off. And for them to be really, really good and for you to appreciate them, the duality – Suggest that you have to have the negative which is like loneliness and suffering these other things and so you like they kind of go hand in hand
1: So I guess my point is like I can have a day Like the other day I had one of these I think it might have been yesterday Where I just literally felt like all I did were feed feed and, and sleep children I put them to sleep and I fed them literally that's it. They were there on my boob I was cooking for them. So I felt like I did nothing all day long I mean it was like 2 p.m. And I hadn't even washed my face Okay but I still felt happy. Like I was a little annoyed with the day because I'm like I feel like I should like have done more things with the day. But I still felt happy. Like I still found joy in those moments. I didn't feel like depressed because I didn't – because the day didn't – versus having a day where I feel like I got a really good workout in and maybe I had like a nice work session and I had an awesome like two-hour lunch with my friend. I haven't chatted with her in a while where I felt like fulfilled and whatever. I, both of those days I can find joy in the moments and i'm happy you know what i mean even if there's like even if you and i happen to have an argument or like daro has like an epic meltdown and i don't handle it exactly the way that i would like and i get snappy at him or something like i'm still foundationally happy even though there were like a multitude of emotions so i guess it's just like when i say finding joy that's kind of what i mean it's not like i'm not looking for an external thing to, do you see what I'm saying? Well, I think so. It's joy, more, maybe joy is the wrong word, but that's yeah, that's kind of what I mean.
0: I think, I, I don't know if it's the wrong word. I just think it, it can be dangerous. I think you're more speaking about finding fulfillment and contentment. And I actually believe that those are probably the foundational.
1: Contentment is probably the correct word. When I, but when even I,
0: fulfillment, I mean, because like if your purpose is kids and you know, you're doing that, you're fulfilling that, like you should. That should have some kind of feedback loop of positivity, right?
1: I had, and I've told you this before, and it took me a very long time to actually tell you this. I had a lot of shame around just wanting to be a mom. Yeah, I know. Like, that's literally all... Well, I, th- I used to... I thought you would frown upon it. I thought you would judge did, me for it. I did. I did frown upon it.
0: I used to judge you for it. My point is, I used to think that that wasn't enough. But obviously, like, the more time that I saw what you actually have to do from a time perspective... Like it's insane, but I also... also it's just like, so this, this definitely gets into the realm of, I mean, it's worth talking about, but if I frown upon it because I've created my metrics for what I perceive as a su- successful life is building or creating companies or making money, which a lot of what, it, what I've grown up with that is, I have a healthy balance though, because I also believe life is about relationships and, and spending time and, and not working at times, right? I've not gone to those extremes as much as I could. And even some days when I might have worked 14 hours in a day, it's punctuated by health routines and eating good food and exercise. Like I've never I've never been the full-blown like I'm going to work myself into a hospital. Like I know people have done that where they, they yeah. have to like go to the hospital because they work so hard. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's not even that hard to just take a break. Like it's not that hard to go work out and just like, like what are you doing? And <laughs> it's just a – It's just like anything else. Like people take something like alcohol or drugs or this or that and they just take it to the, as far as they can. It's almost like they want to see where they can go with it, Mm -hmm. right? Works the same stupid thing for a lot of people. And I've never fallen into that, but I fall into uh, always like these identity beliefs around like I should be working more. I should be doing more time because I have this relationship to time that I feel like it's very valuable. It makes me worry about it more. I'm working on that. And so I'm working on just not doing anything, not next thing, being in the moment if I place my value judgments of of what a successful life is on you, that's just projecting. So what I have to do is I have to step outside myself and ask myself, okay, if I make all the money in the world and that's all I do, what is the value of my life? That I'm dead and I built some parks and i donated to some places or whatever. Like it's literally meaningless. It means nothing. I mean, I probably did good. That's fine. But I probably didn't enjoy my life. I probably didn't have very deep, meaningful relationships. I don't know. There's just a lot of things I'd miss out on. And so that's not, what I think a successful life should be. So let me think about what it would be for other people. And then I thought about, you know, our kids and legacy and all these different things. And I mean, really the ultimate aim for any animal is to have the gene survive in a vessel that is then stronger and more adaptable for the future to do the same thing and so forth. And I think humanity has a chance to actually like colonize the solar system and then the universe. It's amazing what we can do. We can be in a higher intelligent life form that can bring literal utopia to everybody. Maybe that just ends up being our consciousness gets uploaded to the cloud and we live in a perfect utopia. I don't know, but it's possible. So, I had to step outside myself and think about that. Like, why am I, you know, pressuring her to work more or whatever? Cuz a lot of a lot of what I was doing it was not for the money. It was for the like, how could she be okay with herself not working? I have to get her to work. Mm -hmm. It was like me projecting that because I know how I would feel in that situation. Mm -hmm. It would drive me nuts, but it doesn't drive you nuts. And so
1: it honestly made me feel anxious. I felt very anxious. Which part? So we would have a nanny come and she would come for, say, I don't know, four or six hours. Right. And in those four or six hours, I have like the things that I have to tend to with the kids. And I also have to get my work in. And the way you and I like to parent, specifically me, is responsive parenting. So it's like if Darrow or Rowan needed to nurse, then I sit down and I nurse them. If it's 1 p.m. one day, it's 2.30 one day. If it's 12 o'clock, like it changes, you know what I'm saying? It's, I don't look at the clock and say, oh, it's 1 o'clock. You need to sit down and have your nursing session. Mm-hmm. It's just dependent upon the child, right? So letting them learn and listen to their bodies and stuff, which means that my day is it is never set in stone entirely. It's really you know hard what I mean? I
0: couldn't work like that. It would make, make me so stressed.
1: Well, so the point it's is really that it's like, like that. if I'm focusing on them, then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, when am I going to get my work session in? Yeah. When am I going to get my work session in? The whole time. And well, so it, it made me feel like I was pulling. I wasn't able to be fully present in the moment. Do you know what I mean? It made mm-hmm. me feel like my mind was constantly torn between two things. And one of those things I found some fulfillment from, but the other thing is like literally what I have dreamed of my entire life. Like I have always wanted to be a mother and have children and I have wanted a large family. And that doesn't mean that I don't want more and that I don't have other dreams, but it's like, that's really where it's at for me. And until I feel like I have fulfilled and accomplished that, I don't really care to focus and spend five, six, ten, however many hours a day on other things. You know what I mean? So it just made me feel very torn. And I think it was when I was pregnant with Rowan. Well, I think
0: after Rowan coming, I...
1: It started changing. just was
0: like, if you want to be a mom, that's fine. Like, I was just like, okay, for sure. Maybe with Daro, I still felt like you could do more. Uh, And you can definitely still do stuff. Like, Rowan's at that age where you could sneak away some time. But... But, you know, whatever. I mean, for, yeah, I we're, we're very fortunate cause, because I can, you know, afford us that and you can just focus on being a mom or whatever. So, yeah. If that brings you fulfillment, that's what you should do. I'm actually really craving more of that ice cream. I'm glad we have some more of that. I'm glad I saved that with the cookies.
1: You always throw it away. Gluten free, though. Doing?
0: And it's organic ice cream. I didn't have a lot, though, because I was trying to save some energy for our podcast.
1: I didn't know we were going to record a podcast until we got up here.
0: Well, what um? You were gonna... What do you want to talk about before we close out? We're already at thirty minutes.
1: Uh, maybe we should just do. We maybe we should just do, do like a about, few.
0: Do you want to talk about our um? How our anniversary day almost got sidetracked? <laughs> I mean, it did get sidetracked. See, this is this is the thing. It's like, this is this is where we differ, for various reasons. Uh, you know, it one could be male, female. There's also just personality and temperament. But I see this all the time. It's like that uh, that song. It's my birthday. I'll cry if I want to. It's like that's that's toxic propaganda that kids grow up with. It's this idea that like it's your special day because something's on a calendar and like we've we've created this ritual around it. And so you, you can basically act selfish and petty. And I'm not necessarily saying you're selfish and petty. What I'm saying is it creates it. it. it creates just kind of bad expectations. As
1: a society, we definitely plan these days and, and, and we have it all these raises expectations, expectations it and if those
0: don't get met, it's
1: not just birthdays, unhappy. it's it's weddings, it's anniversaries, it's everything. It's, and people
0: get stressed and then they and things. they end up ruining the day itself that's supposed to be a celebration. Right. That is the backwards shit I can't stand. And like most people generally don't handle stress well, they don't handle conflict well. Um, I generally just try to shrug my shoulders as much as possible and even if I get mad, I'm pretty good at getting off of that generally. And I just like want to return to baseline. That's
1: actually one area that you're, I feel like you are very good at. And I, not that I'm bad at, but I take, I take more time. If I get really pissed off about something, I don't shrug it off as easily.
0: Well, there's two things. I've gotten better at that because obviously when I was younger, I would get angry more so and probably for longer, but also two, like my whole Like one of my big things in 2021 is I want to cultivate non response. I I don't want to get mad in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's honestly not a useful emotion. Even if there's something somebody does to you, I think you you should you can you can discuss it, you can have points, you can have preferences, but the idea of getting mad about it is just you not accepting reality.
1: No, not necessarily. So anger, a lot of times you will feel angry when a boundary of yours has been crossed. And it can give you courage to kind of correct that because that's that. But
0: what is is, is a boundary though? Because for most people, that's just, that's actually not a boundary at all. It's an expectation. So if you replace boundary in that sentence with expectation, I would agree with you. That's why people get upset. But I'm not going to, but I wouldn't agree that that's why, that they should or that it's justified or righteous or something.
1: So, I mean, I guess a boundary, let's just use this as an example. Say you have a friend who is like always late. And you tell them, you know, like, say we're going to record a podcast and you have somebody who literally shows up late all the time and you tell them, we have to start recording at two. Yes, like, know, I have to leave. Ev-
0: we have all have friends that do this. I have Everybody to leave
1: does. at 2.30 and then they, sh- they do whatever and they do it at 2.15. If you just continue to kind of shrug that off, even if you tell them, you know what I'm saying? They have crossed your boundary of you being like, we need to start at two and you... I guess haven't taken action enough to like let them know that you've crossed. So anger can be a useful tool to give you the courage to basically put your foot down and say like, "You keep doing this shit. I'm not. I don't want to do it anymore."
0: Okay, so whatever. People that are late.
1: That's just this, an example. Is it Probably but not but I'm one. saying
0: this is good. Is it this is a good teachable moment, learning moment, exploration. People that are later are generally late. Often, would you say that's safe to say? Uh, yeah. Right. So this is like a recurring thing. So. Does getting angry at something that you should almost know is going to happen make any sense?
1: I mean, I think it depends on the situation, What is be honest. On?
0: Why? Like, what is the anger going to do for you? Besides likely ruin a relationship or... So how about this? Does the anger make the person not be late in the future? It could. That's my point. I.
1: Or it could, like, if you end up getting really angry and you give somebody your two cents about it, and they continue to be late after that. It could give you the courage to, to okay, you're in here and it's 2 o'clock. They haven't shown up. You give them till 2.10. Till you fucking leave and you lock the door.
0: Right, but I don't Which think- is maybe
1: something that you wouldn't have done before. But because you came out and vocalized, I keep telling you that I don't like it when you're late and you keep doing it. It feels like a waste of my time. Right? Maybe you wouldn't have said that before okay, you didn't get angry enough.
0: Everything you just said to do doesn't sound like anger needs to be involved at all. It just sounds rational. If this, then that. That's just that.
1: That's a time example, though. Like, I, I don't. I'd have to sit down and think about like an actual boundary. No,
0: but that's what we're talking about. Like, what do you mean? If somebody's constantly late and you keep letting them show up late, they're violating your boundary. Some people don't have the balls to say something. I get it, right? But using anger as a way to muster courage to then say something. You're not going to communicate in any way that's going to prevent it and you're going to just cause – you're probably just likely going to cause more rift and more resentment. And that person is probably going to be late even if it's subconscious in the future because now they don't like how you talk to them or whatever. It's going to be some other fucking thing. The reality is what I'm trying to get at is – so if you have an alcoholic in your life, does getting angry that they went on another bender again that they've done a thousand times, does it make them stop being an alcoholic and going on benders again? The answer is obviously no. Right. It's true of almost anything that humans do on a recurring basis. Anger doesn't do anything. OK. Um, it's not a it's just not a strong enough motivation for people that ha- that struggle with these things. We think it does something because we think, oh, well, next time they won't want to do that for me to, to me. But that's not how the, that person thinks. They're thinking about time- themselves.
1: Being late was not a good example. No, but it is a
0: good example because people get late that people are, are late there, or get angry there, that people are late.
1: There are things that I have needed to say to you in our relationship that I did not say until you did something that really made me angry. And then I let it out. Maybe because I was still mulling it over. Maybe but because not, I would say whatever, that's not a good strategy. It's not necessarily that it's a strategy. It's just that sometimes anger can be a useful tool to give you courage to say things that you weren't saying before for whatever reason that may be. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be this like crazy type of anger where you're like throwing things or you're, you're but, so, whatever. Okay, then
0: what's the goal of being angry? Just to say something?
1: Well, I think it's probably to 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 try and yield a, a different type of result. Okay. Maybe that's to get something out so that... In the future...
0: Okay, so you're saying that you you use anger to get a different result. The question then is, can you get a different result by not using anger?
1: Anger can give you courage.
0: No, no. It's very simple.
1: Yes, you can. You don't have to be angry. What I'm saying is that sometimes anger gives people the courage to say things that they wouldn't have otherwise said for whatever reason. I
0: understand that. But when you're angry that somebody did something, who's making you suffer? Well, yourself. Okay. It's not this person being late. They have no choice in the matter of what you tell yourself in your mind. Right. Nothing. They have literally no choice. That's a fundamental concept. I call it the stoic framework of control. Most people don't understand it. It's the most important thing for life.
1: I'm going to remind you of this whenever you're yelling at people driving on the road.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm under no illusion that I'm changing them or helping them or anything in any way. Okay. Sometimes it just feels better than bottling it up. Anyways, aside from that. If the goal is to get them to stop being late without you suffering, right? Without being angry and suffering, then – and we've established there's, there's ways to get people to not be late or change the situation in some way without being angry or without even needing to say anything. The way I would handle it is I would probably just say, never mind, don't come. I'm leaving or whatever. And then I and then maybe I'll say something about it or the, maybe look at the picture. Everyone's different. I mean generally you're just better off saying – Listen, we got to just stick to the schedule. I got stuff to do. So if somebody's late, you do what you need to do. You basically should probably just not let them show up. And they kind of learn that way. Like you can take action without being angry is the point.
1: Right. I mean, I agree. In in that circumstance, I wouldn't get angry either. I would just be like, I would probably just leave. And if they were showed up at 2.30 and they're like, oh, hey, I'm here. I'd be like, yeah, I left because we yeah. were supposed well, to I meet mean, at I 2 or whatever. I think
0: it's fine to tell people that. You I mean, know. What if they legit got hell up in traffic It's stuck behind some train or something? Who knows? Like, yeah, it's fine. But. Um, with chronically late people or anybody that does something on a recurring basis to get angry at that and that's just one example but to get angry at that makes no sense you're not actually going to think clearly you're not going to be able to formulate a good enough game plan you're going to probably respond in a way that's not going to be good to that person they're going to subconsciously resent you maybe it's going to make them subconsciously do it more some people are masochistic that way some people want to be criticized or condemned or whatever like this idea that we have that we should be angry because we deserve to be or this or that or whatever, it's all just a flawed narrative. And a lot of it's from culture and movies and bullshit, right? But the reason that I can now get over things faster is because I, I can return to logic faster. Returning to critical thinking and logic is the anecdote to anger and emotion because all you have to do is do a cost-benefit analysis. And so this is why I talked about a lot in The Better Mind when I was building that. And I'm going to still launch it eventually because it's... It's so, it's, people need it more than ever. So playing the victim, that's a good example of this. Anger is like that. Anger is like that. In fact, in a way, when you're angry, you get to be the victim. That's what people a lot of times understand. They get addicted to it. They want to be angry. They want to be peeved, right? Because it's somebody exerting this to them, doing this to them, right?
1: I mean, that's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like there's a little bit of that there too. So the victims, they will pretend that they want to make the world a better place or that they want to correct injustice or have fairness or whatever. But what they what they really want is to is to have the power of being the victim and have the spotlight on them. Because if you analyze it and you ask yourself, okay, does being angry upset the victim whatever? Does it get me closer to my goals? It's all it's all goals. That's all it is. What are your goals? What do you want? Do you want to be happy person? Do you want to not suffer? Right. So, like, do you not want to do these things? Or okay. do you want to be stuck in suffering? Because if you analyze anger and most of the things that people get upset about, they don't even realize that. They probably have conflicting goals. They do want to be happy and not suffer, but they also want to be the victim and have things upon them so that they can have power, right? It's a power game.
1: Okay, I agree with you when it comes to the victim thing. I'm going to use this morning when I got angry at you as an example. So if I had gotten angry and then just let it go right away and like not been angry anymore when you said sorry, just like let it go right then and there, I likely would not have continued to analyze why I was angry, because I wasn't angry anymore, right? I just would have let it go. And I wouldn't have come to the conclusion that I did, which was basically that there was something that was very important to me that I did that I did a poor job of vocalizing to you the importance of that. So hence, okay, there's a positive outcome that came out of that. Because I stayed mad, I continued to like assess. why are you so upset about this? Like, why do you still feel peeved? Why do you whatever? I wasn't in like a victim mentality where I like wanted to be mad. I was like, why? What is the root of this? And so I continue to analyze that. So I think a lot of it is the direction that you go with it, how you react towards other people when you are. But anger to me is a very like primal type of emotion. I don't think it's necessarily a like modern day invention emotion that's Not necessarily like primal to us. It's anger. Like we have it for a reason. I think a lot of it is how you harness it. And that's why I'm saying it can be very useful. There are times when I've gotten really mad about stuff and I ended up telling you things that I didn't even really realize I was feeling until I got that mad. And I wasn't like screaming at you on the phone or anything, but I was angry and I ended up saying a bunch of stuff that I didn't even really realize that I had felt until you did or said something that like made me mad. So I think it can be very useful. I think. Maybe the mentality you take on when you have anger where if you just want to be mad to be mad or if you feel like a victim and that's, you know what I'm saying? Or if you get crazy and you throw things or you do whatever, like that's not useful, but it can be useful. I think if you are using it as a tool all of the time, maybe you should assess that. But I think in some circumstances it can be very useful.
0: So can you you completely eliminate anger?
1: I mean, I think if you are a person who... Analyzes what you do a lot.
0: You just said it's primal. So, wouldn't that be built in innate, thus unable to fully eliminate?
1: I think you can almost eliminate your expression of it, whether or not it actually creeps up and you feel it. I am not sure you can eliminate that. I think okay. there are things that probably would happen that would make you angry. Even if you'd like not, you know, like if someone tried to do something to your, you don't get angry about anything, but somebody tries to hurt one of your kids or they do whatever. I think it's probably primal in you to feel very pissed off and to want to do something.
0: Okay. So, so if it's a constant of life, it's going to happen. We've pretty much established that it's unavoidable completely, unless you're just a robot. You're not a human anymore. So you will always have this experience. Why can't you learn from every time that it comes up? Why does it have to manifest over 30 minutes an hour or whatever? Can you not get learning from every time that you get upset? Can you then ask yourself and do the soul searching? Why did I get upset? Cause then your goal would be to not let it happen again, or to get as far away from letting it happen as possible.
1: Well, yeah, but I think – I sometimes I think that's a little bit asking a little bit too much of people because sometimes people feel a certain way and they don't totally understand why they feel that way and it takes okay, a little bit of analyze. Okay, but first of all, I'm talking about
0: you. Second of all, I'm not talking necessarily about asking other people. I'm talking about yourself. So you said that the anger was good because something positive came about it. Okay, that, that's fine. A lot of good things come out of bad things. That's, that's just like a, a duality of the universe or like a constant. Where we disagree, I think – is the dose and the necessity. And like, I believe that if I got angry and it was for 60 seconds and then I let it go, I don't think that I then lose my opportunity to learn from that. I don't think that I have to dwell on it for some period of time and create self-inflicted suffering to like have an internal dialogue and have self-awareness. I think I should make it as short as possible because actually, if you think about it, while you're angry, would you say that your brain operates logically and clearly or does you it operate could, emotionally, irrationally?
1: We're emotional creatures though. We're not uh, well, logical creatures. Of course creatures. we all,
0: but, but, but we can also – we have also take aluminum planes in the sky and fly them and we built skyscrapers and we can understand certain laws of physics and mathematics. There are certain truisms that we've discovered, right? Mm-hmm. So, And we can also get to a point where you can literally silence your mind – and literally control your brainwaves through things like meditation, mindfulness, other therapies. So we're emotional creatures, but we can get we can get become masters of our emotions. Maybe not p- completely perfect. We're not going to meditate in a cave for years on end, but we can get to that point where we've already established anger is always going to happen. I'm saying that we should try to release it as fast as possible.
1: And I, mean, I, and, I agree. And, and,
0: and with that goes you're going to learn from it. Like if you're growth minded, every time you get angry should be, should elicit self-reflection and understand why, if only to better live with other people that are going to do things that piss you off. (laughs) So a little bit of my gripe with like earlier was maybe just, I mean, sometimes I think it reminds me of the David Foster Wallace quote where two fish are swimming by, two younger fish are hanging out. And then an older fish swims by and goes, Hey boys, how's the water? And then swims on a couple, The couple, the two smaller fish are swimming on. And he looks at the other one and he goes, what the hell is water? Most people are swimming in water they don't even like realize, right? And it's really hard to even see the water that you're around. It's basically like, you know, your perception, whatever. Other people can see you differently. You can't see them through their eyes. Like it's really hard to see ourselves and to be aware of that. So I think sometimes because of the way I am, you subconsciously take for granted how I am. It's like the water you're swimming in. And I don't really like compared to other people, but I mean, objectively, the way most people operate, I could have just fucking argued with you and bicker with you and be stuck on something and it could have been like this huge thing. Uh, And I could have defended myself. I could have defended my actions for just like, who knows how long. And like, it could have been, we could have literally been so far to that end of the spectrum based on my inability to apologize and, and realize that I probably shouldn't have asked that and like being willing to admit that, right? What I'm saying is that like, sometimes I think you forget that, we're there. That's the water we're swimming in. And so then it, you know, I think sometimes your response is a little bit less compassionate because you're just kind of used to me not being like that as much.
1: But I also think that you probably take for granted a little bit, how many times you do something that is whatever, and then you apologize for it. And I do let it go. Most of the time that I I do, even if I'm like still irritated or whatever, I accept your apology and I try and move on. Yeah, I would say do, probably 50-50, I'm actually still mad, but I accept your apology and I just move on. And at some point in my pregnancy with Rowan, I just decided if something pissed me off enough that I was just going to allow myself to express that emotion rather than...
0: You should express it, but I just think you stay too connected to it or too, you dwell on it too long. And the things that peeve me are when you say I deserve... Or I can, or whatever. You make these like statements around like how you're allowed to feel this way. I mean, like of course you're allowed to feel that way. You're also allowed to let it go in a fucking second if you wanted to. It's I mean, all that, choice.
1: Yeah, that's true. Essentially, our our issue earlier came down to you apologized and were ready for me to move on, and I was not ready to move on, and then you got mad at me for that.
0: Yeah, well, I was also just trying to go away, and I don't know. I I, I wasn't I, I didn't expect that you would respond that way. So when I was off guard taken off guard with that and then how it was being dragged on i didn't expect that
1: well i really just wanted to be left alone
0: and then to process and then it just made me it made me mad because i felt like it was a, a power thing or whatever power game
1: well it wasn't a power game i wasn't expecting you to ask me that
0: i know but i feel like sometimes it does it becomes it's like that victim power struggle where it's like okay well now i can you know i can use this against him even if it's like subconsciously because he did this or he did that
1: I really wasn't thinking any of that, honestly. I don't think you
0: think it subconsciously. I
1: was just angry.
0: I know, but yeah, if you you analyze the source of that anger, I think it's usually about something else.
1: Well, I told you. It was about consideration for me. That's what I felt like. And then I told you, I typed up that whole thing and I let you read it. I just needed more time to process.
0: Yeah, I get that. But I, I think the other point about anger being kind of ridiculous is that we already established that you're getting angry with somebody that's been late. They're going to keep being late. Yeah. Okay. That's immediately really dumb. That's that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. But the other thing is, and this is the other thing that gets to me. Sometimes I feel like you forget how I don't make a ton of mistakes or do a lot of things. And therefore, I think things that set you off more so when you probably should just give me a little bit of leeway. But it's like expecting people to not be people.
1: Do you feel like I get mad at you a lot?
0: Well, what I just thought about a second ago is you get mad at me probably 10 to one from me getting mad at you.
1: And do you remember uh, like the first year that Dara was born? How many times did you get mad at me versus me getting mad at you?
0: Yeah, it might've might been flipped then but I'm saying now that's what the numbers become. But, I, but at the same time, I correct myself. I fix myself, I grow. I don't want to be mad. Like, so I think maybe that, if we had to boil down to a difference, I fundamentally don't want to experience negativity and anger, like, like ever. Like, I don't want to see the mask shit. I don't want to go into a store and have somebody talk to me and get pissed. I, I don't want to, maybe it's because I'm more sensitive to it. Maybe because younger I was more angry. Like, it's, it's kind of like an alcoholic. Like, they don't even want to be, you can't be around alcohol. I don't want to be around anger and negativity because I think it's too addictive.
1: I agree. I think for me, sometimes I feel like I spent a lot of time early on in our relationship, capping or bottling if I got pissed off at something that you did, because if you were already mad, like, because I know I know how you are. You're you're like me, but you're a male. You have way more testosterone, but you're like me. How I was when I was in my early twenties. It's like if you said something to me that was like whatever you were coming at me about something. It didn't matter what you said. I was coming back at you.
0: It also doesn't matter who's right or wrong.
1: Right. And, and that's I feel another like. another
0: point that I have. It's like you get what you put in. That's the right. other thing about, that, about anger that I feel like and negativity that is very uh, backward. It's like you just, you literally make it worse. I don't know. You make it worse. You don't get less of the thing. You get more of the thing and you get all this negative side effect as a result.
1: I mean, yeah, I would say initially when I got mad, it was fine. But when you came back from the walk and we continued talking, all that stuff that happened afterwards was nothing that I wanted. And it was because I was still mad. But I think that's where you and I are different. Sometimes I just need to process a little. Like, even if I'm still mad, I won't direct it or say anything to you or whatever. I just need a little bit of time to calm down, to, like, internally talk to myself and be like, this is not a big deal. Just chill out. And when you're trying to talk to me, it irritates me more because I can't have an internal dialogue. So then I just get more mad and I say, I just start saying other things. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes it's because I feel like in the beginning of our relationship, I capped and didn't say a lot of things. Like I would moderate my response because I knew that it would not make your response any better. It would make it worse. And like I'm, I said, some with hormonally something changed when I got pregnant with Rowan because you would say or do things and it would make me irate like, irrationally angry. And it was totally, like, a hormonal pregnancy thing. But I just was like, I'm going to express it. I didn't care if you reacted the way that you normally would. Like, I just kind of was like, I felt like it wasn't fair that I that I always had to be, like, the more calm one. And that's not necessarily a fair response of mine either. You're right. I shouldn't continue to get mad.
0: I also but don't I, think it's just that. I don't think the numbers are skewed just because you've, like, increase the frequency you might you might have done that a little bit but it's it's i think more byproduct or at least duly of me decreasing my frequency and letting a lot of small things go that normally would have bothered me that i just have to just i just made the decision that i don't fucking care about that anymore
1: that's very true i also know for me largely it's also a hormonal thing because i get the severity of how angry i get like how quickly I can get that, and actually how angry I get is very much how I felt in my early 20s and when I was younger. Like, I think I told you, I used to get so, I was like, 10 years old or something and i would be brushing my hair and i had this obsession with like there could be no bumps in my ponytail this like psychotic obsession Mm -hmm. and if there would be any bumps in my i would literally take the brush and i would chunk it at the mirror like i would get so mad and i remember doing it one time and sitting there and thinking about how angry my dad would get in his temper and i hated being around him when he was like that it just made me feel super icky and i was like i don't want to feel like this i don't want to do that Mm -hmm. and so i have worked on that it's like a I don't know if it was a learned thing or if it's, like, a biological thing or whatever. But I worked on that really hard. And I would say around, like, early to mid-20s is when I really started getting, like, a handle on it.
0: It's because you have a growth mindset. It's just like with my dad. I have all the excuses in the world to be late, to procrastinate, to, like, whatever. Like, to do drugs instead of take advantage of my assets, right? But I responded differently. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, you know, the the response to environment is just... You have a lot of Americans that aren't responding to their fucking environment, right? And you have you have America, and this is why I think our species is going to diverge. You have almost homo-, homo sapiens one and two uh, which we'll talk about in another episode. So this has been fun chat. If anybody wants to listen to our therapy session, then I'll, I will. I uh, will. <laughs>
1: well, I was going to say we should end it with like a couple things we think we're doing right, and then a couple things we think we could work on collectively, and maybe other couples can hone in on that. And
0: yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean. I just, I think my, my advice is that like, and right now I'm focused on helping men, but people just need to figure out what their truth is and they need to live it. That's the core thing. Everything else is going to break. Everything else will fail. It just will. You can't, you can't fit your, you can't fit a round hole into a round peg into a square hole. You just can't and we try to do it all the time to please friends and family we go to we get degrees we don't want to do professors we don't want cuz then our parents will be happy like it's unbelievably naive to think that that's going to do anything other than make you fucking miserable mm-hmm. so same thing with relationships when you become an independent person that is in tune with who they are you have a growth mindset so you're you're always working on yourself you're not perfect but if you're willing to work on yourself then you can accomplish anything and then you got to find somebody that is at least open to the idea <laughs> They they may not be growth minded working on self-help or anything, but if you are and you find somebody that is actively doesn't want to work on themselves, that shit ain't going to work. I'll tell you right fucking now. It's it's just not going to work. You might as well just find someone else and don't have kids with that person because that's going to make your life a living hell for who knows how many years.
1: That is actually one thing I am very very grateful for. I see so many people and I'm I'm sure you're grateful this for this too. I see so many people post about how they want to parent one way, and their significant other wants to parent a completely different way. Like people literally arguing about doing it cry, doing cry it out, like letting their kids sleep in the bed with them, doing whatever. When it comes to parenting stuff, I feel like you and I align very much. And if you don't really know, then you let the default be to me. You might ask me questions and do whatever, but you you trust my intuition. But I feel you like
0: I I I don't I wouldn't even say intuition. Although that's obviously there as a mother. I trust that you did the research. And I think most of that shit could be resolved if people went to source material instead of like my grandpa did this or my mom did this. They say this. They want us to do this. It's like, yeah, I get it from men. That's very naive. But there's women that have a lot of bad ideas too about how they should raise their parent, kids from their parents and from their upbringing, from their friends and whatever. If you go to the source material and you look at what nature is, you, the first principles way of thinking, right? What is human biology? How yeah. do we evolve? that directs everything go yeah. there go to source material right do your own research let the data speak for itself and if you're two parents that are struggling with this it's like you both should look at the data and and, and discuss it and it should be obvious as fuck about what you should and shouldn't do yeah where can they follow you
1: at the grass baby and my website is grassfedbaby.co and
0: that's that any parting words of wisdom on a scale of 1 to 10, how easy or hard is it to... Get sleep. How hard is it to be a partner with me?
1: Sometimes it's hard, but most of the time I it's said on a scale easy. of 1 to 10. Oh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hard? Yeah. I mean, most of the time it's it's not... So what,
0: most of the time, what number is it? And then what number is it sometimes?
1: Most of the time it's like a 1, I feel okay. like. And then sometimes it's... Well, a certain category, it's like a 9. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that on a later episode, but I would say it's like maybe a seven in that.
1: It's like it's like a nine point six.
0: All right, make sure you get on the <laughs> Better Human Newsletter over at Colin.Coach. And we'll see you in the next one. Oh, I almost forgot real quick. Get on the Better Human Newsletter over at Colin.Coach. I share some of my favorite content from around the web. Uh, something I improved each week, something I struggle with, a big idea, and much more. It's also a place where you can get any podcasts or YouTube videos that might have been put out there, as well as some of my favorite tweets from the week. Head over to colin.coach to get the Better Human Newsletter once a week, you're gonna love it, I promise. Today's show is sponsored by Wild Foods Co., real food, superfoods from around the world, and particularly the Wild Cocotropic, which is one of our flagship products. So this is a coffee replacement and or booster You can use it in the morning if you're trying to reduce your caffeine intake or cycle coffee from time to time as I do. You can also use it the way I do, which when I'm having coffee and I wanna put some butter in it, I wanna do kind of a keto coffee, I'm gonna throw in about a tablespoon of Cocotropic as well and it is just a delicious cocoa beverage that gives me that mental boost from the chaga and the reishi and I got some maca and turmeric in there. It's mood and concentration and it helps also actually mitigate the effects of a too much caffeine spike. So if I'm adding to coffee, for example, and you get that quick spike, and then you kinda come down, you have a little bit of that crash and you have the afternoon slump. A very cool thing inside the tropic is the theobromine and the l which are inside cocoa and part of why people love cocoa and talk about how healthy it is for you and these help you actually release caffeine uh, slowly. They they help mitigate the effects of the caffeine crash so that instead of coming down hard, you're going to have the caffeine intake at more of a steady pace, and it's gonna help mitigate the up and down as much. It's just an awesome thing. So if you're looking to replace your coffee with something that's delicious and still has a little bit of caffeine, because cocoa has a little bit of caffeine, it's about, I would say, one uh, fourth to 6th the amount of coffee, generally. You also have those unique properties of the cocoa, that help it so you're not crashing too hard. This is the perfect way to start your day. It's also the perfect way to upgrade your coffee and help mitigate the crash just a little bit. And it's just delicious, it's awesome. It's raw, organic, non-alkalized cocoa powder with wild chaga and reishi, medicinal mushrooms that are also great for focus and all of the health benefits that they're revered for as well. And then it's got some maca and turmeric in there to round it out, got an amazing flavor profile. We have some customers that drink this straight up with hot water. I mean, it's amazing. So you can also bake with it, make recipes, It is truly an amazing product, an amazing blend, now with 100% organic ingredients. You can get a huge bag of eight ounces for only $19.99 over at wildfoods.co, and as well as a 16 ounce, which is only $29.99. And then if you use code WILDCEO, you'll get 12% off your entire order. And if you want it conveniently to ship to you every single month so you don't run out, we also have auto-ship options as well. So head over to wildfoods.co, you'll see Cocotropic in the shop page right there, Use code WILDCEO for 12% off your entire order. You'll be supporting the show, and you'll also be supporting small producers that grow ingredients the right way, small farmers. And that's exactly what we need to do to change the big consolidated food industry, which is one of our missions at Wild Foods, is to help people eat real food, get back in the kitchen, and to help support small farmers. So again, wildfoods.co, use code WILDCEO for 12% off your entire order.